<laughs> Not an amazing, amazing testimony. And that, that's what's exciting is that, that uh, we're going to have these testimonies going on all uh, this coming month. And so November, our, our, our new theme, homeschool. And I can assure you, not only on Sunday, but on Wednesday nights as well, lots of great things that are going to be happening. Be a part, and we'll have a great time together. Amen. This morning, you know, we're gathering together as families to worship. It's a kind of an, a, an exciting thing when you think about it. I think Bryn was saying it earlier in the worship. I appreciated what he said. He said, we're all from different backgrounds, different areas, but we've all come together today, one common need, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus and worship him. And so I thought it interesting this week that um, as uh, we were part of our reading plan was Psalms 96 and verse number 7, where the Bible there said, give to the Lord, O families of people, goes on to say, give to the Lord the glory due his name. And then it says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord of the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Interesting, that worship involves also bringing uh, 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 an offering to the Lord, offering him something. David said, I'll not give to the Lord something that costs me Nothing. And so what a tremendous thought for us this morning. Remember, there are many different ways that you can give electronically by the scan code or on our app, very secure and safe way of giving. Or, of course, you can give through the envelopes and, and uh, the giving boxes that are to the rear as you exit those blue boxes for giving purposes. Exciting this morning that Bonnie and I are going to share the word. Amen. <laughs> She's never consented to this before. She's always said, now nah, you do things differently than I do things. But, but, but uh, it's kind of interesting that we're going to start this series on homeschool. It's going to be going on all month. And out of all the subjects that we minister on over a period of a year, this may be the most important subject matter to consider. And the reason is it has the most significant impact on the quality of life that we live. Family is so critical to everything, and we're ultra-concerned here at Elevate Ministries that you enjoy your life. I said enjoy your life. Have fun, because God intended that for us. He wants us to succeed, and so that at the end of your life, you look back and all the stuff that didn't matter might have been fun, like accents and stuff, but the things that didn't matter are, are what, will, what will not stand out. What will stand out is family. And so Bonnie and I are going to share some things we've learned in order to help you today. When I was informed that this month's theme was homeschool, I had to, I always, makes my heart happy because I always think it's very vitally important that we do talk about the home and the family. And it's one of my favorite subjects. And, you know, I think it's, it's just important to learn about just enjoying and enriching and a fulfilling life right within the walls of your home. Yeah. And I use the word home. It's not just a house. Yeah. A house is just the walls and the cement, you know, that you reside in. A home is what you make it. It's an extension of your personality right. right within those walls. And in my own home, I, there's, you know, we have several signs you know, thanks to Hobby Lobby, you know, dotting the walls of my home. And um, 
they, they express, they help express the value that I place in the place that I reside. And one of the signs says this, it says, may your journey always lead you home. Another one says this, this is us, our home, our life, and our story. And so with just the limited amount of time that I have this morning, I'd like to share just a glimpse with you into our home. And I want to share with you a condensed version of our story of the life that we've created and shared for 51 years. Our first home, and I remember it so clearly, as newlyweds, found us about 2,500 miles away from our families and friends. And we were situated in a very small, sparsely furnished apartment. And it was across the street from a cemetery, which I will never forget. I was very strongly reminded that I was now residing in the wild, wild west because this cemetery was void of any grass or any adornment. It was just dirt with little stones sticking up. And despite the fact that, that we were just, I would say we were young and dumb, that's all it was to it. But we were committed, we loved each other, and we were committed to working hard. I began teaching first grade, and my husband began etching out a career in the automobile business. And about two years passed by and we became a family of three with the advent and the addition of our son, Adam. I still continued teaching and portions of the next, oh, I'd say three summers uh, were spent myself, I was pursuing um, an additional master's degree at Northern Arizona University, which was the closest one to me, and it was 150 miles away. So I had to drive up on a Sunday, and I would return back home on Friday. And uh, it was a challenge, but despite those like educational ambitions, my true devotion was to my home and my family. And, you know, it's really, I sit here this morning, and it's really difficult to put 51 years of life together into a time-appropriate message. But I have to say, just to use a quote, life is good. And we've seen in, the, in that time, we've seen times of joy, and we've also endured sorrow. We've been healthy and we've been visited with different sickness. We've had times of abundance, and we've had times of scarcity, where, you know, all I could find in the bottom of my purse was a used Kleenex and an old gum wrapper, you know, it was just slim pickings. But through those years, the most important, life-changing revelation was to make Jesus the center of everything we did. Whether that was establishing multiple businesses, whether that was raising our son, purchasing a home, pioneering a church, 
being involved in church planting, stepping into international ministry, hosting conferences, becoming grandparents, and now on the threshold of becoming great grandparents. <laughs> it's been an absolute adventure because you know what? We let Jesus take the wheel and we allowed him to direct our path. <laughs> I think one of the most amazing and important revelation in God's word is that he wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy your life here on earth. And so, for the most part, Bonnie and I have been successful uh, in able to experience this. And the primary reason for it is family. Uh, we've enjoyed 51 years of marriage. We've loved raising our son, Adam, watching his development, his success, his uh, marriage to carry a remarkable marriage there wonderful children that, that they had, and, uh, and then now they're adults all living for God, walking with the Lord. And um, um, uh, we, we, for this, we give God all the praise and the glory because, honestly, it was His Word that guided us and helped us along the way. However, we would uh, understand that some might uh, think we're a bit outdated in our understanding of family, because you have to understand that in our lifetime, uh, there's been these huge cultural shifts and changes, especially so in surrounding marriage and child raising, education, morals, all of these things have changed so dramatically, and some might even reject the wisdom that we've gained over these years as outdated because our marriage was built in a time and in a society that held basic biblical truths. For example, sex outside of marriage was strictly forbidden. It was illegal, and it was also frowned upon by society. We, uh, we, we lived in a time where marriage was the goal. Every young couple wanted to get out and get married, and um, there was never any doubt or of the makeup of a marriage. A marriage would be between a young man and a young woman. Having children, I think, was uh, the most important thing. Everybody was looking forward to that, and, and when it came to raising the children, uh, it, it was not a, a, a thought that the school was going to do that, uh, but it was the responsibility that was on parents. A thought about abortion, not only was it illegal, but our society looked down on it with a terrible disdain. There was no such thing as sexual orientation to each in the schools because there was no thought of anything other than two genders, and anybody that would bring up the fact that maybe a man could have a child would be laughed at to such a degree that they would not even begin to talk about it. And so while all of these things we know have changed, one thing has not changed, and that is the Bible teaching on marriage, the Bible teaching on child raising, educational responsibilities, and morals, those things uh, uh, are settled according to the word of the Lord. And so as we begin this series, I think the most important thing is to start with God's original design for your life, for our lives. See, God created the world and he set in motion the way things were that he designed them to be. He placed his high, uh, he created the whole world, placed his highest creation in the center of that, 
And um, he stated that he wanted this couple to enjoy life and to be productive in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. Govern it. So here is this amazing revelation for us that our creator granted us authority on this earth. He gave us something we call free will so that we could decide for ourselves how we wanted to order our lives, how we wanted to live, to obey the Lord or not. We could make our own rules if you want because we were given the authority to govern our own life. Obey God or not, it was up to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, the scripture says, today, God says, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life, God pleads, so that you and your descendants might live. And you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And so I don't know whether you catch all that's in that scripture, but what God's saying is he wants us to prosper. The word blessed means to be prosperous and to enjoy life. And so he's not talking about external things here. He's not talking about money or possessions or status. These things are unfortunately very empty when taken by themselves without the understanding of the purpose for living. And so he's talking about satisfaction and contentment and fulfillment, the things that Bonnie and I have enjoyed in our lives. You know, I found that we really do enjoy many benefits of living in a technology-driven digital age. And I have my, my son and now my grandchildren to thank, to thank for that, for help keeping me current. <laughs> because it's, it's a challenge. It can be a challenge sometimes. And, but along with those benefits, how many of you know, always with some benefits, there always can be some disadvantages too. And it's like with anything else, if we allow it to consume our time and our effort, and eventually will consume our happiness too. Um, we can start out with that. Social media is being a simple fascination, but it can also become an obsession. And social media begins to play a very huge factor. You can see it across society. It's a huge factor in the satisfaction, the contentment, and in the fulfillment department. Now, I personally, I use, I use Instagram. I use Facebook every day. But I am very cautious about what I choose to follow and about how I am affected by what my eyes take in and what I absorb. And you know, there's a tendency while you're just scrolling, while you're, you're viewing, you know, you, you 
you get to see just a little glimpse of other people's lifestyle. It looks like sometimes an idyllic lifestyle. And when you begin to see that there's a little bit of a comparison game that can begin to creep in. And that game is accompanied with questions like this. How do they afford that? They must be getting money from somewhere. Don't they ever have to work? Why are they always going out to eat? Don't they ever eat at home? Another new car? Gosh, they just got a house. Now a new car too? And all of this begins to contribute to a dissatisfaction with life the way you know it. What social media portrays most of the time is contained in the title of an old, my era, Rolling Stones song, 1965, which says, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and sadly, if we get caught up in the game of comparing our status in life with others, who in reality, they are just trudging through life just like you are, you'll find that your, fulfilling, your feelings of contentment and fulfillment will begin to get kind of skimpy and feelings of resentment can begin to take root and grow. And that then learn, leans into seasons of feeling anxious, seasons of feeling stressful, and there's a general feeling that takes hold of inadequacy. So let's see what God has to say about that. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 9 says this, Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world when we came, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. So my personal take on social media is if it doesn't lift you up, if it doesn't edify you in some way, then just unfollow. Well, that's for sure. That's for sure. It's amazing how many people uh, have become addicted to it. Uh, just tune out all that's going on right where they're at, just to, in order to uh, follow social media. There are no shortcuts to a happy life. Let me just put it that, that way for you this morning. If you're going to build a happy life, uh, if you're going to have a happy life, you're going to have to build it. And all construction that stands the test of time is built on a solid foundation. And so the key to success is the foundational things that God instructs within his word. And so you can mark this, thing, this down today. That the simple things in life are what is going to bring you the most fulfillment later as a reward. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his home upon a rock. In other words, foundationally, he put it on something strong. He's two aspects, hearing the word and then applying the word of God. It's not complicated, folks. When you look about building a life, it's not something fancy. 
It's not something that, that, that's exotic. It's simply listening to what God said in his word, putting it into practice in your life. It's not expensive. It's not elusive. It's not fancy. It's just easy. Hear what God says and put it into your life. You know, today, there are so many troubling trends in our society. Homelessness is, is just out of control. Mental health issues, we see them, and it's almost overwhelming to look at the problems we face with it. Suicide, even among young people that have all of their life that God intended for them in front of them. Drugs, which have become rampant in our society. Gender confusion, which has, has caused so much heartache in families and, and the violence that we see almost everywhere. And so people begin to ask, what's wrong? Why are our jails full? The courtrooms are packed. What's gone wrong? Well, it's because we haven't listened to the basic things that God has said. For God designed us to enjoy the simple things. He spells them out like this, worship right at the center of our life, work and productivity, which brings such fulfillment. And then he deals with family, because God's design was for us to enjoy the blessings of God that flow throughout generations. Our lives are pretty simple, um, complicated, and enjoyable. And so you listen to God's word in Psalms 124, where he spells this out in the first four verses, and he said, blessed, or that word means prosperous, enjoyable, happy. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you'll be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house and your children like olive plants all around your table. But behold, uh, th thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And so as he spells this out, he starts with the word fear. It's the word of putting Jesus in the middle of our life. We have trouble with that, fear the Lord. What does that mean, be afraid of him, like he's going to bring that hammer down? But the word literally means that we are uh, to be a people that reverence the Lord that put him in the middle of our lives. And the Hebrew word means that in spiritual matters, we fear, we respect, and we reverence what God has said. We don't blow off God's word as something that's out of touch and not relevant today. And so the, the, the word says in, in, in the fourth verse there, in the Amplified Translation, behold, so shall the man be blessed and divinely favor who fears the Lord and worships him with obedience. Backtracking a little bit, for the first years, eight years of our marriage, both of us had a head knowledge of Jesus after being raised in a traditional denominational church. We had Jesus in our head, but he hadn't made his way to our heart yet. And we both were pursuing our own personal goals. My husband was determined, very determined, to acquire multiple businesses and also properties. And during this time, I began to coin different names for him. I, all of them started with the name Billy. So if you're named Billy, please don't take this personal. <laughs> but I would call him, oh, Billy Businessman. 
Or then, after that, I would call him Billy Big Bucks. And because that was his drive. And it took him to acquire those businesses and properties. He would work most of the time at least 15 hours a day. And he would leave early in the morning and return usually when it was dark in the evening. Um, I was diligent about my job teaching. I was very organized, preparing lessons. Um, I, like I said, I would find ways to attend classes to all, in order to further myself. And with all that being done, I still maintained, you know, um, keeping our home in order. I cooked, we didn't eat out. I cooked our meals, prepared on the weekends a lot of the time for meals during the week. And always making sure that our son was well taken care of. And, you know, my, my duties didn't extend to just inside the house. Because, because of his long days, they also extended to the outside of the house. So you could find me, I'd come home from school on Fridays, park the car in the garage, grab the lawnmower, and vroom, off I'd go mowing the front lawn. And it was just, it was just what I did. Uh, the sad part of all of this is that we were so busy being busy that we were neglecting the just simple enjoyment of our own family relationship. Then came the day that Pastor Carl encountered Jesus. It was a life-altering meeting with the Lord. And I, was st I still, I, I just remember it so clearly. I was away at school when this happened, but I, I was home. We had dinner as normal. And I remember getting our son ready for bed, tucking him away, and I went and sat in the living room. And at that moment, my husband came Sat with, us, sat with me, but instead of sitting in his recliner, I found him sitting at my feet. And I thought, wow, what's up? <laughs> and he had a real stricken look on his face, very emotional look on his face. And you have to remember, he was not like that normally. He was very stalwart in his expression. I would always say, you know, ah, you know lighten up, Carly, you know. But that night, it wasn't to be. And he shared with me his encounter with the Lord, what had taken place that day. Not only did he share that experience, and I'm sitting, I'm just like, you know, it was like Twilight Zone music time. You're doo -doo 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 -doo. And I will. And so he not only, you know, shared that experience, but he also spent time asking for my forgiveness for his treatment, for his inattentiveness, and just the mistakes that he had made, and he promised to do better. Wanted to be a better husband and also a father to our son. So you'd think that I would just begin crying, reach out my arms to him, hug him in into an emotional embrace, both of us sobbing, crying, you know, you know, just cementing our love relationship together again. But all I said was, we'll see. 
because I didn't trust. I did not trust what had happened to him. So it was nine months later. I was a prayer request. I didn't know it, but I was a prayer request. I had refused to go to church with him because he had found another church and he was going faithfully. But I said, no, I'm not going. I'm sick, I've got a headache, I've got a tummy ache. Anything you could think of, I wasn't going. So one time I finally, okay, all right, I'll go. And it was a Wednesday night, they were having a prayer meeting. So I said, okay, it's harmless. You know, I just kind of watched people, you know, praying around the, the room, the church building. I thought, well, that's not, that's all right. It's different than the way I pray, but okay. But then we went back on Sunday. I thought, okay, I'll check out a Sunday service. And it was a Sunday before Thanksgiving. Heard a message. The message just rocked me to my toes. And it was simple. And in the altar call, the minister said, pastor said, you know, if you think you're trusting in your religion, that's your ticket to heaven, you are sadly mistaken. Really? Oh my gosh. Because that's exactly what I was doing. And so I found myself standing up. I found myself putting one foot in front of the other and walking down to that altar. And I prayed the sinner's prayer, asking Jesus into my heart to change my life and make me new. I got up, you know, walked back to my seat, Church was over, we got in our car, and I turned to him, and I said, don't get excited. <laughs> I said, nothing happened. <laughs> and he did the same thing that you're all doing, he just laughed and kept on driving. But with the same determination that I had for my home, my family, and my job, I decided that if this was gonna work, I had to put that same commitment and energy into my relationship with the Lord. I decided, you know, that I had to buckle down and I had to do my part too. It wasn't just gonna happen, I knew that. So we decided that every time the doors of the church were open, we would be there, whether that was a Wednesday night whether I felt like it or not, whether it was a Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, or a special service, we were there. And we made Jesus that priority. He became the center of our home and of our household. You know, it was just like, just like you get up, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you have cereal for breakfast, whatever it might be, Jesus was a part of our lives. And you know, we realized that we were striving. We needed to build that relationship between the three of us at that time. And it was hard. That meant I had to submit to him. And submission was not easy for me because I was basically under the mindset, I am woman, hear me roar. And I had to stop that put it aside and, ex and just accept God's order for our family. And to this day, I see the blessings that have followed that simple decision as we began to apply, not just read words on a page, but apply the living, breathing word of God 
in our decisions, and we dedicated our time and our unwavering desire to serve Jesus with all that we had just by being faithful to him in every aspect of our lives. Yes, amen. And that's, amen. that's where it's at. Salvation is just the beginning step. We're, we, we give our hearts to Christ. Now we have to roll up our sleeves and get, get to work. And so Bonnie and I got involved in a local church. We went to the church. We, we listened to the word. And I, when I say listened, I, I mean I was serious about it. Every sermon that was preached, I, I, I was tuned in, following along in my Bible. And when we left church, we went home and we talked about what the Bible had to say in, in that time. We studied the Word of God together. We talked the Word of God together. We taught it to our son because we recognized we're going to have to build our life from all the mistakes of the past. We need to build it upon the Word of the Lord. Now, it's important that you understand I didn't do that to become a pastor. I, I, there was no even thought of that in my life. I did it simply because I wanted to succeed at life. I wanted my home to be a blessing as the Word of God says. And so the learning the Word of God does something. It begins to open doors to simple truths that begins to build uh, success into our life. And so I, I, I learned in the Scriptures something that really I had already done but didn't really understand it is that God wanted us to be productive and he wanted us to be fruitful in our lives. The second verse that we read, Psalms 128.2, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Think about that with me for a second, especially young people today. When you eat the labor of your hands, then you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. I think this is where society has gone so far wrong today, much as our, our society demonizes work and glorifies entertainment. It's just the opposite of what, what God said in his word. And while it's true that work is hard and going to the game or going to the concert is fun, true satisfaction will never emanate from entertainment. As a matter of fact, entertainment by itself becomes empty, and what, we, what entertainment is meant to be is a reward for hard work. If you take away the work, then entertainment becomes vanity. Ecclesiastics 2 and 1, Solomon said, I said to myself, come on, uh, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. I remember my college years where uh, it was another day, another party, and everybody just seemed to fall into that, that habit. That was the most important thing, but finally someone woke up and said, I'm tired of having a good time, and there was a recognition that another concert, another Disneyland, another movie, another baseball game, or whatever it would be, would never bring fulfillment into our life. When you work for something, you feel good about yourself, and then you begin to enjoy life. I guess you could say that I had a work ethic instilled in me at a very young age because I, I observed my dad uh, faithfully. He would take his black metal lunchbox and he'd have his painter's overalls tucked under his arm and every day he would leave the house early and he would return home about five o'clock. He'd come chugging up the driveway 
very faithful about his work. And I found that we weren't, we weren't a rich family, but because of, of careful spending, we were able to you know, afford a nice vacation in the summer. And a lot of our times we didn't eat out. I can hardly ever remember eating out, but we would celebrate, like on Sunday, we'd have church as a family, and then the afternoons a lot of times were spent. My dad loved to drive. And so we would go for Sunday drives all over Ohio, and we would usually be, you know, ending with a, a ice cream cone, and sometimes we'd sit and we'd watch the airplanes take off and land at, at Cleveland Hopkins Airport. And to me, that was just a thrill. It was so much fun. But as I grew up, when I became 16, I, I took a job at lo working at a local department store. And, you know, of course, I would moan and groan about it. I'd groan about, look at all the money they're taking out of my paycheck. You know, I didn't think it was fair. And my paycheck wasn't that big, but wow, you know, I, I didn't think that was fair to take it out. And, and I would complain about the schedule. You know, wow, I, I've got to work on Friday night. That's a football game that night. Why do I have to be at work? You know, or there was a dance or something else that was much more fun and appealing to me. But I worked. I still honored the commitment. And um, as I, after I graduated from high school, of course, I attended college. And then I began working and, like I said, teaching school. And it did. It just, it just gave me such a sense of accomplishment. You know, I taught the little guys. And one of the things I did, I was useful. I, God, at that time, I didn't realize, but God was using me in, you know, I could see the light bulbs go on when we were learning how to sound out words, teaching them, teaching little ones to read. Oh my gosh, it just, it blessed me. I just, I just, you know, I, my heart hurt for the ones that struggled and I rejoiced with the ones that could really just began catching on. And it was just a fulfillment to me. And even to this day, I have some that are my, now they're my friends on Facebook. And, you know, they'll, you know, they'll send me birthday, well, happy birthday, Mrs. Friedrich, because that's how they know me. And um, it's just, it was a rewarding time in my life. And I found that, you know, during that time, because of my efforts, it, just, it was just a small accomplishment in the whole entire scope of things. But then we left Arizona to pioneer our church here in Southern California. And I discovered that reaching people for Jesus also required a lot of dedication, energy, planning, and a willingness to work together in ways that we had not yet anticipated. Because you know what? People can be messy. People can be time-consuming. But yet, actually being able to witness with my very own eyes the life-changing alteration of someone's life just by letting Jesus take control. You can't replace that feeling, knowing that you yourself played a, just a minute part in witnessing the actual transformation of someone's life. My life is full. I found purpose in what I've done with my life always keeping busy, continuing to learn, continuing to grow throughout the many seasons that I have lived. And I've yet to experience. Jesus is not 
You'll say, oh, you know, Jesus is the center of your life. No, Jesus is not just the center of my life. Jesus is my life. Yes. Yes. Jesus is my life. If I could just encourage you today, don't waste time spinning your wheels, pursuing empty goals and wispy dreams and wispy promises because I'm living proof that Jesus is my everything. Matthew 6, says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And one of my favorites that I cling to a lot is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Let all your work be done as if Jesus was watching, because he is, you know, and he'll reward you with blessings that your hands are too small to hold. I can tell you this has been the story of our lives. We, we have worked hard. We, you know, before Christ, we did, but, but after Christ, we have always rolled up our sleeves and went to work. And, and I can tell you that the enjoyment that comes back to you when you recognize, I mean, we sit here today and look out over the congregation and realize that this is something that we worked hard for to see people come to know Christ. It, 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 there's nothing better than work. Don't let work be demonized in your life. Don't glorify uh, uh, just entertainment. Get in there and work and let entertainment be a reward to your life. There's a, a, a statistic today that troubles me. When I read the labor force participation rate, it has fallen to 62.2%. And literally, if you don't know what that is, that measures the amount of people that are, that are of the right age to work, that are healthy and able to work, that only 62%, little over, are, are now employed. And so what that means is many people are not being productive. They're waiting for a handout. And I can tell you right now, a handout, you'll never feel good about yourself. Roll up your sleeves, go to work, and the reward will come back into your life. Amen. So then the Bible goes on. And as you read the Word of God, the next thing the Bible talks about, the message that, that, that the blessing that marriage brings. It's a commitment. It's not about, as we hear it today, casual sex. Two people meet each other, tear off their clothes on their way home, have sex, and then that's that. Move on to the next couple. It'll never work like that in life. God ordained for two people to make a commitment to become one and to work through the issues and problems of life through the blessing of marriage. We love to see people getting married today. Amen. Young couples that were up here today that, that are beginning the, the process to get married and others that are just married. And we know that they're going to have difficult times. It's not going to be all easy. But they can work together, work through difficulties, work through financial pressures because the joy that's relief is indescribable. It's here that a godly society is built by young couples coming together and getting married. In verse number 3 of Psalms 128, it says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. 
Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. In Proverbs 18 and 22, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. And if you have not seen the treasure that's beside you, open your eyes and begin to look deeper and you will find there's a treasure in marriage. And along with marriage comes the expense and responsibility of having children. And they add pressure to life, there's no question. A lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, and they seem so ungrateful. But once again, God knows what he's talking about and knows that they will bless our lives. Psalms 127 and 3, Behold, children are a blessing of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. In, in Proverbs 17 and 6, Children's children are the crown of old men. Amen. We can say to that because we know there's a blessing that, that, that comes through family. And so we've been blessed, not by any one thing, as I look back over our life, but by the faith journey that we've walked out and, and, and all the accomplishments, all the things that we've been able to do, the businesses that we've had, the international ministry, the trips, the, all the stuff that just pales in comparison to the blessing of family. And I think Bonnie would feel exactly the same way. I do. You know, one of the most joyous days of my life occurred 51 years, three months, and about seven days ago when I married my college sweetheart. That'd be me. <laughs> and we began a life together. We were 21 years old and ready to shake the world. And despite our ups and downs, some bumpy roads in our relationship, I never viewed marriage as a 50-50 endeavor. I was invested 100%, and I worked to make our home a place, or you might say even like a sanctuary, where we could withdraw for a few moments from the demands of, of our job pressures, from the bills, stack of bills that were screaming to be paid, our automobiles that might require servicing, all the unexpected and, and mundane tasks of adulting. I learned to cook, to shop, keep our home clean and tidy, clothes laundered, and in general, just applying the simple lessons that I learned watching my mom carry out while I was growing up. And my, my background is Scottish, and so to this day, I was, I was thrilled when I would come across a good bargain or on just something that I needed. And, and I still do. And even now, if I'm looking for something in particular and I find it and it's on sale and then there's an extra coupon that goes with it, you know, I am shouting the victory. I'm going, thank you, Jesus, because I figured Jesus knew that I really wanted it. And so he made it possible for me to, to obtain it. But the Lord does require us to be a wise steward over our funds, our money. And he entrusted that money to me, so I made that a priority. Another life-altering moment for me came on October 1st, 1974, when our son Adam made his presence known. And we were thrilled, both of us, with the advent of our baby boy. We were becoming a family of three. 
And even though I was still working full time, I didn't slack in my effort to be the best mom that I could be. I knew that I was successful at teaching other parents' children. But my first priority was to love, nurture, and instruct Adam to the best of my ability. When I would finish my school day, then my real job began once I hit the doors of our home with, with our son. And no matter how busy I might be and with things to do, I always had time for Adam. I actively used everyday activities as a teaching moment. I wasn't one much for baby talk. I felt that articulating and learning words was crucial and important to his development. Reading was very important before, especially before bedtime, and we both enjoyed it. And I would teach him just special learning concepts that I knew were critical for him to master before starting any formal education. Random TV watching was very limited, and he enjoyed Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as a small boy. We encouraged playing outside, and his place to play was the desert behind our home. And we all had fun exploring it together. As Adam grew older, I wanted him to see with his own eyes. I wanted him to see the blessing of God working actively in our family. We worked as a family, we played as a family, and we served God together as a family. I think, I'm gonna share this with you because I think it's so vitally important. As a wife and as a mom, I was determined to be consistent in whatever I put my hand to. I realized very early on in my Christian walk that I wanted a consistent relationship with Jesus, not a walk that was dependent on whether I felt the heebie-jeebies and the goosebumps in the service or not, but just a, a walk with Jesus that was secure, that was steady, day in, day out, good days, not so good days, feeling secure in who I was as a Christian woman and as a mom and as a wife. That consistency has come back and he's, it's brought the joy of being an active part, not only of my children's lives, but of my grandchildren's lives. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. It's a different season of life, a different role to play. But I'm so thankful of the moments that the Lord has extended to me just because I made that determination to be my consistent in my walk with Him. Amen. Yeah, she's amazing. She is amazing. I, I am grateful. Very grateful. I can tell you this. God 
really does know what he's talking about. He knows what success looks like. He knows what will bring us fulfillment and joy. He knows it's never going to be in the external things. It's not going to be in the comparison games. It's not going to be in an exotic trip here or all the different things that this world have, where you live, what you drive, all, all the nice things. I, I, I'm not against them at all. But God says that building a successful life starts with a foundation of basic things. One, the, the, the fear of the Lord and walking in His ways. The determination, the decision, I'm going to do it God's way. I have a free will. I can do as I want, but I choose to honor the Lord because I know that He loves me and that He wants what's best for me. Two, that I'm not going to sit back and demonize work, figure a way to work, not have to work. But I'm going to throw myself into being the most productive individual in my job, in my uh, realm of, of, of influence, I'm going to be that person because I know that that is going to bring back rewards. And later in life, I'll look back on it, I'll remember that I felt good about all the things we were able to do because I earned them. It wasn't somebody giving them to me. I worked hard. And finally, the family, the commitment of marriage. Oh, that we would go back as a society to understanding the way God intended marriage to be, taking the steps that's required to make a commitment, realizing it's not going to be easy. It's never easy to do something that God gives us to do, but it'll always be a blessing back to the children, the offspring. I'm not going to wait until I have it all together and have all the money I need to do whatever it is. Enjoy sacrifice. Enjoy it. Enjoy raising children families. We want that for you so much here at the house of God. And so today, Bonnie and I have shared our hearts with you, a little bit of our past with you, and it's been for a distinct purpose. Because we've learned that life's not stagnant. You're, you know, we think we'll always be where we're at, but no, it just keeps progressing. And as it does, what you want to realize is you want to be able to look back with no regret. You want to look back and say, you know what? I made the right decision. I made it to honor God, to fear God, to make worship the center of my life. And as I did that, God opened doors for me to experience the blessing that comes through hard work and family, and I'll enjoy it with everything that I have. And so it's our prayer that as this month goes on, that you'd make the commitment to learn, to listen to testimonies of the great things God's done, like we had in our video, There'll be others to share as we go along and listen to the word that comes forth from the pulpit because the word preached here is not preached just so you'd learn something, but it was here preached so that you could experience something, that God's word would not just be heard and then moved on, but that you would work and discuss it in your home and learn it, put it into application so that your life could be full can be blessed. Maybe you'd bow your hearts with me this morning as I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I'm so grateful for the word that's gone forth today, and I pray that Bonnie's heart, as she shared it, Lord, my experiences and our understandings from the word of God might be a blessing, might open the door for this month of, of ministry. 
Lord, help us to learn that you really do know what's best for us. One of the things we've mentioned is that it always starts, always begins with salvation. Bonnie said it was that one day that things began to change when God interjected himself into my life with an unforgettable experience. And when she finally surrendered her life there at a church service just before Thanksgiving, it began a process in our life. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I stand before you today asking you to make that decision, just like Bonnie did in that service, to make your way to the altar, to, to, to ask God to forgive you for sins and start brand new in your life because that's what God wants. God wants revelation. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy life and do it His way. If there be one here today that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but wants to make a commitment today, a commitment to give your life to Christ, I wonder if you wouldn't take just a moment and slip your hand up, then you could just put it right back down, but with your hand just up for a moment, say, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Christ. I need to start new. And I know that Jesus makes all things new. Would there be one all over this auditorium? Because I believe God's Word is so precious for you. It'll, it'll change your life forever. And let me just change the service for just a moment. Let me ask you this, this simple question. Would there be someone, and when I say someone, I want to put that in the plural if I can, that would make a commitment that during this month, you're going to work on the basic things of life that will bring blessing to your life. Maybe today, it was the revelation of worship, the importance of putting Jesus at the center of your life. Or maybe today it was in that concept of work and realizing, I've got to realize that, that, that I, I, as I become productive, that's when the blessing of heaven begins to come back in my life. Or maybe it is in dealing with marriage and what God intended for you for that and the raising of children. But if that be you today, and that would you make that decision, I am going to commit myself to working towards it. Just like these 11 couples that worked on their marriage this week, I'm going to work on the basic things that bring blessing, happiness, and prosperity into my life this month, I'm going to commit to that. I want you just to stand to your feet where you are. I'm going to commit to that this month. I am not going to sit back and just let word uh, uh, be spoken, but I'm going to make a commitment towards that. And so, Father, today in the name of Jesus, you see each one that stood today in this sanctuary. And Lord, I'm so grateful to you that when we make a decision You've given us that right to make a, 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 that we have a free will to make our own decisions. I pray, Father, that decisions be made today seriously to grow in the things of the Lord. And so, Father, today upon each one that's heard the word today, I pray that it bring blessing into their life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.